going to continue our series of messages in our summer series, How Sweet the Sound. If you'll remember, the last couple of weeks we had the opportunity to Newton uh, about a guy named Horatio Spafford, and those were intriguing stories to be sure. And so today you may go, this one's a little bit bored, or boring, I should say. A guy named Judson W. Van Deventer, Surrender All. It's an, incredible, uh, it's an incredible song, a challenging song, but his life was completely unlike that of John Newton, completely unlike that of Horatio Spafford. We would have seen him as simply kind of a normal guy, going through normal life. And his song was not born out of tremendous grief. His song was, the song that we sang was not born out of a, a great traitor and a, 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 you know, a guy who was called the great blasphemer. Going from that to, to, this guy was one of the guys we'd meet. He was just seemed kind of normal. He was an art teacher. So everything's going along. It's all pretty cool. And he begins to have this struggle in his life. And the struggle is, do I continue to use the talent that God gave me? Because he had a talent for this. Should I continue to use that talent? Or should I go into ministry, to go into evangelism? And so he began to struggle. What do, I, what do I do? What do I do? And finally, this is what he wrote himself. He said, for some time I had struggled between developing my talents in the field of art and going into full-time evangelistic work. At last, the pivotal hour today was ushered into my life, and I became an evangelist and discovered deep down in my soul a talent hitherto unknown to me. God had hidden a song in my heart, and touching a tender chord, he caused me to sing. In other words, he had a plan, a, a vision of, for his life, of, of what he could do. Using the talents that God had given him, he had a plan. He also understood that God had something he wanted him to do. This ministry of evangelism and, and being full-time engaged in that. But what he discovered was this that God had something for him that was beyond anything that he could truly imagine. And the song that he ended up writing as a, a, a musician now, the song that he ended up writing, he ended up being a, a professor of hymnology and teaching others. But this song, I Surrender All, as you well know because you've seen it happen, has been sung as many people have come down the aisle to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. This song also, Billy Graham said himself, was a great influencer in his life and was part of his decision. And so what I want to share with you just, just based on that story is this. When we are willing to surrender all, we discover greater than the dreams we have for ourselves. Think about this. When we're willing to surrender everything, when we're willing to surrender all, then we discover that what God has in store for us is far greater than anything we could have dreamed up on our own. God's dreams for you, God's plans for you, are far greater than your dreams and far greater than your plans. Being able to go and, and to, to minister for a month, basically, in Africa. What an incredible opportunity that is. Probably nothing she ever thought of years ago that this is what she was going to do. 
And the same thing happens in your life. God begins to open doors, but he does it as we surrender our lives, as we give up what we've got going on and say, okay, God, what is it that you want from me? What is as we've sung that song and as we hear a little bit about uh, Judson Vandeventer, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer, and I want us to... I want us to begin this morning to surrender all. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that your plan and your purpose is far greater than anything we could have dreamt up. And Lord, many who are in that you have for them in their lives, they're really pursuing it, Lord, but they're, they're pursuing their dreams and they're pursuing their goals and they're pursuing their objectives and they're not stopping to say, hey God, what about, what do you think about this? Lord, I pray that we're willing today to set aside whatever it is, whatever it is, we're willing to surrender that, to surrender our all in order to discover what good in our life, in order that you might give us the best. And so, Lord, would you help us as we open your word? Would you help us to begin to understand it and to apply it? And Lord, would you help us today? to surrender all for we ask it in jesus name amen chapter 9 is a familiar passage luke chapter 9 we're going to look at verses 18 to 25 together and we're not going to spend a lot of time here but i don't think we have to spend a lot of time in order to get the message that god wants for us and so luke chapter 9 we're going to look at verses 18 to 25 but i'm not going to read them all here at once we'll kind of break them up a little bit and and talk about it so here, here we have God's word, and, and it begins in verse 18. That uh, It says, now Jesus praying alone, the disciples were with him. They were, they were in the area. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others said, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged them to no one. Now hang on here. The disciples have been with Jesus for a while. They've been able to hear him preach. They've been able to see the miracles that he has performed. They've seen a lot. They've experienced a lot. And they have actually left their normal lives in order to follow this this traveling rabbi in order to go after him. And so they've, they've left a lot. They've invested a lot in this man named Jesus. And he says, okay, I want to ask you a couple of questions, guys. Let's, let's gather around. As you're out there talking to the people, tell me, who do, who do they say I am? And, and they get various responses. Most, most tied to her, like John the Baptist, or like one of the other prophets, maybe even one of the old, old prophets come back to life. And so here, here's, you know, they're getting this, and then Jesus brings it, really makes it personal. What about you? Who do you say that I am? Boy, that's different. I had an opportunity to um, have an opportunity to meet with children from every now and then when parents receive Christ, and they don't know exactly how to how to maneuver it, or maybe the parents already talked to them, and, and I have an opportunity to follow up with them. Caleb gets that opportunity sometimes, and uh, it, it's just an exciting thing. But there's something that happens 
when in the mind of a child or an adult, they can go from the point of Jesus died for our sins to Jesus died for my sins. When it becomes absolutely personal question, who, what about you? You've heard what the crowd says. You've, you've seen me. You've heard me. Who do you say that I am? And, and, and Peter's response, because we know Peter. Peter, right? He's always the brass one. He's always the bull one. He was always the first one to speak up. He's the guy. Do you remember you had this, this guy in your class growing up? Whenever the teacher would answer the question, ooh, 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 I'm the one. Peter was that guy. Peter wanted to be in the front of the line. Peter was this guy. Who do you say I am? He said, you're the, you're the Christ of God. Peter's eyes were beginning to open and recognize that Jesus was more than just a prophet. Now, prophet's a great thing. But he was more than a prophet. He, they've been waiting for. Now, Jesus does something strange. You would think that once he got the right answer, that Jesus would have said, okay, now just go, go tell everybody. But he says, no, I don't, I don't want you to tell anybody. What's that about? Probably a couple things going on here. First of all, um, had they gone out and started proclaiming Jesus as Messiah and the crowds got into it, then that would have been timing for this. God had a plan for this. When Jesus was going to be arrested and crucified, and this was not the time. And so it would have messed up, the, messed up the timing a little bit had he done that. And so, hey, we want to keep this quiet. But the biggest reason is this. They didn't know what they were talking about. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. But they didn't really know what that meant. And it was pretty evident by their lives because if we read in Matthew's gospel, that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, and he's going, oh, he's getting high fives from all the other guys. They're going, you the man, you the man, you the man. And then he pulls Jesus aside and he fusses at him. Well, why? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Let's keep moving along. In verse 22, um, Jesus tries to help them understand what it means to be Messiah. He says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be killed. And on the third day be raised. See, the disciples had this idea of who Messiah was. And it had to do with coronations and power plays and armies and they, they had this idea of power and, 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 and glory and majesty on an earthly scale. This was their idea of who Jesus was. And one of the reasons that we got out of this. Man, we are going to get positions of power and influence and prestige. This is our life. This is, this is, it's worth following because what we're going to get from Jesus. But Jesus says, nah, guys, that's, that's not who I am. It's not why I came. As a matter of fact, uh, if you look in Isaiah 53, it's an incredible thing, way back in history, okay? But Isaiah 53 tells us exactly. He says that he's going to suffer, and Isaiah 53 said that the Messiah was going to be a suffering servant. It, Isaiah tells us he's going to be despised and rejected by the very people he came to save. And that's what Jesus says right here. And Isaiah 53 says even he will be killed. That's what Jesus says right here. And Isaiah 50, he rose, and that's what Jesus says right here. 
Jesus is going back and picking up what Isaiah 53 had said about him and says, okay, this is who I came to be. If you want to understand what it means to be a Messiah, what it means to be the Christ, to, if you want me to fulfill that declaration you just made, then you need to understand what that means. And in Matthew's gospel, it says that after Jesus, it meant to be Messiah, what it meant to be Christ, that Peter pulled him and said, apart and said, hey, Lord, it's not going to be like that. <laughs> Let me tell you, it is not going to be like that. That is not what we signed up for. And Jesus, after commending Peter for his declaration, now has to rebuke him for his lack of understanding. idea of who the Christ was, an idea of who the Messiah was, and that was his ideal Jesus came along to say, listen, don't follow that ideal. You need to abandon that idea, ideal in order to accept me for who I truly, truly am. And if the disciples didn't understand what it meant for Jesus to come after him, remember, they've got visions. They've got images of what it's going to be like when Jesus sits on that throne and they have positions of power and influence in their own lives. They've got this. They've got the image. So Jesus has to straighten them out about what it means to follow him. And pick up in verse 23. And Jesus said to them all, if anyone would come after me, if you're going to come after me and take up his cross daily and follow me, for whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains a whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Jesus was trying to teach his disciples what Judson Van Deventer discovered for himself. is all about surrendering all. Following Jesus is about surrendering all. A couple of weeks ago, I, I had this book and I've been meaning to read it and I put it off, put it off, put it off. Uh, but once I got into it, I read it pretty quickly. For me, reading a book in a week is pretty quick. Some people read them in a day. But this book was written by Mark Batterson. It's called All In. And I would recommend it to you. It's not a long book. It's All In. And in it, here's what he writes. Most people in most churches think they're following Jesus, but I'm not so sure. They may think they're following Jesus, but the reality is this. They have invited Jesus they're convinced they're following Jesus, but have they simply invited Jesus to follow them? See, I think this is pretty insightful on his part. We want the benefits of following Jesus, just like the disciples. We want the benefits of following Jesus, but we may not want the disruption that it costs us. The disruption that comes into our lives when we have to follow Jesus. The sacrifice that comes with following Jesus. We want the benefits, but do we want the criticism that may come our way or maybe even the persecution that may come our way for following Jesus? We want the benefits of following Jesus, but do we want the responsibility of being salt and light in this world? We want to hear Jesus look us square in the eye and say to us, 
follow me. We're only willing to follow him if it's on our own terms. These are some questions that we, we need to wrestle with these questions. We need to let these things tumble over in our minds. I don't know, some of you may have woke, I woke up at 1.35 this morning. Um, not a good time. God was awake, but everybody else was asleep. And uh, I woke up, and last couple of weeks we talked about not being anxious and not worrying. Well, I woke up with a little anxiety, a little worrying about some things. And I, I, I tossed and turned and tossed and turned a little bit, and, and I tried to refocus and, and, and give it to God and say, okay, God, I'm, I need to go to sleep. Let me give this over to you. Let me, let me hand you this and, uh, and let you today. And, uh, and, and eventually, I, the way it calmed me was just to, this sounds really bad. The way I got back to sleep was to review my sermon in my mind. Yeah, you can take that for what it's worth. Uh, but the way I got back to sleep was by the thing that I was worried about is part of my life. The thing that I was stressed about was part of my life. And so let me surrender that too. See, when we talk about surrendering all to Jesus, we're not just talking about, hey, I'll surrender my job, I'll surrender my family, I'll surrender my career, I'll surrender my money, I'll surrender all this. A lot of times it's a little mundane things of daily life that we need to surrender to God and say, hey, God, this is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. Let me surrender. Well, when Jesus speaks of it in this context, here's here's what we need to hear. Here's what we need to get out of what Jesus has just said to his disciples. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, if you want to come after me, then let me tell you what it means. It means self-denial. Deny yourself. That means you no longer are at the front of the line. Your priorities are not not my priority. Your desire. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. It says in Luke's gospel, take it up daily. It is a decision we make that I'm going to die to myself in order to live for Christ and follow me. And uh, in this, it's interesting because if you go back and you look, the tenses of the verbs are a little bit different. Um, self to make a decision. But following is an ongoing thing. There's a consistency involved with following. We continue to follow. It's not just a one-time thing and then I go off and do my own thing. It's a consistency of following Jesus. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another one that if, you, if you've got the time and you're willing to dive a little deeper, uh, this book is an incredible book. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I'm not sure if that was the invitation I gave on Sunday mornings. We'd have a lot of people coming down. Come. Jesus gives. If you want to come after me, die to yourself. Die to yourself daily. Now come and follow. It's a Listen, Jesus is not making this easy. He's not, he's not watering it down. You know, I, every once in a while I see kids who are enjoying a cup of coffee on Sunday morning. We have some great coffee on Sunday morning, but that's great. 
Now, I don't put any sugar in my coffee, but I notice some kids and a few adults, if they blend coffee and sugar. Okay, can I just tell you something? You're not really drinking coffee. You're drinking coffee-flavored sugar water. Okay, that's all you're drinking, okay? That's it. Um, But have you ever said something and then asked yourself, what was I talking about? I'm sure it did, but we'll move on because I've completely forgotten what it was. Uh, This is the real me, okay? This is what Nancy has to put up with all the time, okay? Uh, uh, Now I got my first amen of the morning and it's on that. Jesus is, is, oh yeah, he's not watering anything down. He's not sweetening anything up. Yeah, I got it. But he does put things into perspective when he says this. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What good is it to have the most wondrous life that this world has to offer? with all the riches and all the baubles and all the trinkets and have all that. What good is it, Jesus said, to get all of that and to end up empty-handed at the end? What good is it? Are you really, really willing to exchange all that I have for you for all that this world has to offer? Or would you be willing to give all that this world has to offer up in order to have all that I have for you. There have been so many people who've lived their lives accumulating and and enjoy, immersed in the best that this world has to offer, but who end up with absolutely nothing. And I don't mean that they end up physically, financially bankrupt, but they end up spiritually bankrupt. You can have all this world has to offer and not have Jesus, and you have nothing. You can have nothing that this world has to offer and all of Jesus, and you've got everything. And that's the decision that everyone has to make. And on the surface, it seems so easy. But it is a daily decision that we have to make. Me or Jesus? Who's going to sit on the throne of my life, me or Jesus? To follow Jesus means that I'm putting everything on the altar. To follow Jesus means that I'm surrendering everything to him and I'm putting my complete trust in him because I know that he is going to be with me and I know that he is going to meet my needs every single day and I know that what more could I want than that and i got to tell you we live in a society that is just immersed in consumerism and immersed in self-satisfaction and you are perfectly satisfied with what you have until that commercial comes on television or until your neighbor pulls up in a new car a new truck it's bought a new tv or, or you know new shoes new dress you're completely content until you see what some of those things instead of being satisfied with all that god has for you and all that God is giving you. An invitation that Jesus gives, he's not just saying, hey, invite me into your heart. I know we use that terminology, and if used correctly, it's just fine, but that's not what he's saying here. 
and my soul. I'm giving all of myself to him. I'm declaring I am no longer my own because I am his and he is mine. It's an incredible thing. When we sang, I surrender all, what did we mean? Was it just a song? Hey, I remember this thing we're willing to commit to. Jesus said, if anyone, meaning if you, if you would come after him, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow. Come on. And so the question I have is, will you come on his terms? Wanting to force him to be the Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior that you've made up in your own mind. I pray that you'll come on his terms. And I promise that you'll discover a life that is beyond anything that you could possibly imagine. A life of surrender. A life of sacrifice. It's a life worth living and a life that lives forever. Let's pray. Father, thanks for speaking to us this morning out of your word. And and now, Lord, I pray that if there are those that your spirit has been moving this week who who need to respond, then, then I pray, Lord, that you would move in their hearts even this morning to draw them to you, to draw them to faith. And perhaps someone who came out of the blue never expected to have morning, and they've come under conviction about their own life. And And Lord, they're ready today to receive your son as Savior. I pray that you would move in their hearts even now. Draw them to yourself. Lord, I pray for those of us who've made that decision at some point in our lives, maybe when we were children or teenagers or adults, and and we have to admit that we've kind of wandered off. We have wanted Jesus to, to follow us. Rather than begin anew, we want to find a new start, a fresh start. And Lord, we thank you that you're a God who gives us another chance, another start. And maybe, Lord, what we need to do is simply come and to bow and to humbly pray and to say, Lord, let's, let me start again today. I choose to follow you. Lord, if there are those who need a church home, a place to belong, if you're leading them to grace, and I pray, Lord, that you'd bring them. Thank you for continuing to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.